In this episode, we have guest Grace. We speak on her experience with COVID and how it has steered her to where she is today. We also talk about conspiracies and the government, as well as her spiritual view on life, with some sound advice on how to get through hardship. Hopefully relatable. Hopefully not boring. You're, You're listening, listening to, to the Relatable Podcast. It's me, Era. So just a little disclaimer before we start the episode. There will be some construction noises that you will hear throughout parts of this episode. But I promise you, it is not distracting. Um, we are well aware of that and we have tried our best to kind of limit the amount of construction that you do hear. But the parts that you do hear, it's, yeah, promise it won't be distracting. So we've got COVID, conspiracies, spiritualism, anything else in between coming right up with our very special guest, Grace. Happy listening. All right, guys, welcome back. Episode 36 of Relatorboard. So today we have my very special friend Grace on. How I know her, she, well, as you guys know, I work in retail um, at Superdry and we basically met in the centre. So I would take my breaks and then she'd always kind of be out there. And, you know, over time seeing her so often, we kind of just ended up introducing ourselves and getting to know each other and as well as the other other people that took the breaks. So yeah, if you want to start off, Grace, did you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, so my name is Grace and like Ira said, I met her at the centre that we both worked at. Um, I was working in menswear at the time and I was doing it for about a year and a half, I think. And then yeah, right. yeah. my life changed completely and now I'm just sitting up in Byron Bay doing nothing. Yeah, and Byron Bay, because you, cause you were managing at, um, you know, the men's store and then you moved to another centre and you started managing at, um, I won't say the name, but, you know, that, that other men's, you kind of sell suits there, like men's suits. Yeah, yeah so I was working yeah. for a different menswear company. Yeah, um, yeah. After I left the centre where we were working. Yeah, and yeah. if you wanted to share, so what, what happened during COVID in regards to your position at work? Uh, for me personally, um, I kind of knew that it was coming, like, because obviously, you know, COVID, unpredicted times, like with the economy and everything like that, I kind of knew what I was going to expect. Like, I knew that I was going to lose my job, but I didn't know in the way that I was going to lose it. Um, my area manager at the time, like, I was saying to him, like, every day, like, oh, I have a feeling like next week I'm going to lose my job. Next week is going to be the day. And he's like, no, you know, you won't lose your job. You'll be fine. And then he got a phone call the same day that I was going to be let go saying, oh, the state manager is going to come in and um, have a talk with Grace about, you know, regarding her future employment with us. And then I said to my area manager, okay, today's the day. So she came in and we had a meeting and she basically just was like, oh, at this point in time, because of COVID, like we, we're not able to, you know, hold your um, employment with us. So we'll be terminating you. And honestly, I was fine with it. Like I know that a lot of people would have, you know, stressed about losing their job at a time like this, but I knew that it was my ending and I knew that I had to come back to Byron Bay. So I just packed up everything and I left. Yeah, of course, and you and you kind of wanted that change for a while, hey? Yeah, well, I yeah. knew something big from last year was going to happen. When Remember when I told you I got my new job and then I took a week off and I came to Byron to visit my family? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so when I got back to Sydney, I kept saying to everyone, like, oh, I need to go home. I need to go back to Byron. Something's going to happen. I'm going to have to go home. And then, obviously, because I didn't listen to my gut feeling, the universe just forced me to do, like, forced me back to Byron without me having to do anything on my own. So it kind of worked out for the better. Yeah, exactly. And this, and you being stood down happened before all the, um, the JobKeeper stuff. Yes, me being stood yeah, down yeah. happened before they brought out the job seeker um payments, like the increase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it happened before they introduced JobKeeper. So Yeah. But even then, pre- w- would you have even been uh, eligible to, you know, get the JobKeeper? Maybe JobSeeker, yeah. But because you had only been at that company for X amount of time and you have to – I think it was a year and a bit before – I can't remember what month it was. I think um, it was before 1st of March yeah, 2019, yeah. you weren't eligible for JobKeeper. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I would have been eligible for it, but, like, yeah. But because it happened, like, I think maybe two months after I got let go, that's why I was just like, oh, whatever. Because obviously at that time, government had to do what they needed to do in order to, like, you know, save the economy and save businesses. Hi, guys. Just a quick interruption by ERA during editing. So I just wanted to put this in here just in case we have any foreign listeners that aren't really clear on what either JobKeeper or Seeker is. So through the information provided by ato.gov.au, Jesus Christ, Um, The JobKeeper payment scheme is a temporary subsidy for businesses significantly affected by coronavirus. Eligible employers, sole traders and other entities can apply to receive 1.5k per eligible employee per fortnight. Whereas JobSeeker is financial help if you're between 22 and age pension age and looking for work. It's also for when you're sick or injured and can't do your usual work or study for a short time. So that information is provided by servicesaustralia.gov.au. Yeah, just a brief explanation. You can definitely search it up if you want to learn more yourself, but just so you guys are clear on what we're talking about. All right, bye. Enjoy your listening. For change for myself, so. Yeah, and you, yeah, that's what I was, you were so happy. I remember you sending the pictures on our little WhatsApp group telling us what you were up to when most of the people that might have been stood down, they just, I understand they might have not been having the greatest time yet. Here you were, you know, doing what you wanted to do for a long time, just getting to that point in a different way, in in a way that you didn't expect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, look, like I've said to you before, like my life has been like a roller coaster. So it's not like the first time that I've ever hit hardship. Like yeah. it's kind of hard for me because like obviously I've spent eight years in Sydney. So like I've spent eight years there and I built my life. But prior to that, like me losing my job is like nothing compared to what I've been through before. So it didn't really bother me. Yeah, but definitely not. Yeah. I- bit stressed because I was in a lot of debt but like you know life goes on and you have to do what you have to do and the only way to you know fix it is just be happy with yourself and just find ways around it to avoid you stressing out stressing out about stuff when you know it's fixable in the long term yeah that's really amazing just curious Grace um how old are you 
just so I'm we 20, know what it's... I'm 23. Oh, okay. Wow. You're just like similar age to us. That, that's amazing. Well, yeah. that's cool. You seem very wise. Like I, like I thought you were like, I thought you had like a lot of life experience just based on what you said. That's all. I haven't met you in real life, obviously. Oh yeah. No, everyone thinks I'm like 26, 27. And then they're like, oh, so you're only 23. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, but I feel like I'm 50. <laughs> yeah. How so? Like you mentioned, you mentioned you, you went through a lot of other stuff. Um, what other stuff were you referring to? Um, so back in um, my dad, he had his own business and he was in the guardrail industry. So, you know, all the, um, you know, like when you're driving down a highway and you see those barriers on the side of the road or the steel beams. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he used to do. And back in 2008, which was the last global financial crisis, um, we took a downturn. So we le- we lost our business, we lost our home, we lost everything you could even think of, and we had no money, nowhere to live. Like we were staying in our car for you know like a few days here, a few days there, and when we had spare money, you know, book a hotel to have like shower and stuff like that. But um, like at that time, because the global financial crisis didn't affect a lot of people. Government was reluctant to help. So they were expecting us to live off like the little bit of money that we had for like three to four months before we could even apply for any benefits from the government. And then once that happened, we slowly started rebuilding ourselves. Like we were living in a tent for a while and then we moved to a house and then we moved to another house and then back to a tent. And then now we're living in a caravan. Wow, you actually live in a caravan right now. Yeah, I'm living in a caravan oh. at the moment. Yeah. yeah. It seems like it seems like a repeat of the 2018 um, global 2008 global financial crisis. You and your family have overcome that, and now it's like happening again. So, what what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I, me imagining it, it's just like it's all deja vu again, no? Yeah, exactly. So it's pretty much deja vu for me, but like um the way that I think of it, like. It is a very hard thing to go through, and I completely understand what millions of people are going through right now. Don't get me wrong, but it's the way that you go about it. So, like, um, for example, for, like, me and my family, like, when we went through everything, we didn't really – we didn't cry about it. We didn't, you know, feel sorry for ourselves. We just did what we could to make it better for the future. And when you lose everything, it takes years to get back to, like, a normal living standard. So, like, we only started to become normal maybe about four or five years ago. And all I could say is now for everyone out there is just obviously there people will be stressing because, you know, you might have mortgages, you'll be in debt and everything like that. But just take it easy and just relax. Because there will be something that will come up in the future and it might not help you now, but it will help you in a few months' time because the universe will help you in some form of way. But, um, like, it's a bit easier for everyone at the moment because government's actually helping the citizens. So at least there is some form of help. So it will eat a little bit of stress for everyone out there. So what what have you been doing with your time ever since you moved back to Byron? Um, well, I was going to the beach a lot when I first got <laughs> Yes. Because with the COVID and everything, like, 
everywhere else was a bit stricter with their restrictions, but because Byron Bay is like, you know, not many people live here, they still had their beaches open for all the locals and you could still go about your normally normal daily life. So going for drives, um, going to the beach, walking to the lighthouse every morning and then just relaxing, something that yeah. I haven't done in eight years. So it's been nice. Yeah, worth it, yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you think we'll go into another lockdown like what's your opinion on that with everything happening obviously in Victoria mostly and then a little bit here in Sydney to be honest I think that we will go into another lockdown but the only thing that the government is stopping from us going into a lockdown is whether it's save the economy or save the people because now because Melbourne is basically locked up again if they shut Sydney, that's going to cause more damage to the economy than what it's already done. But obviously it would be smart to, you know, go into another lockdown. But there's only so much the government will be able to handle with the money side of things. Yeah. So, yeah. When you when you say, you know, um, if Sydney and goes into lockdown as well as um, Melbourne, like how – how does that affect the economy? Like, would you mean like the club life and the restaurants and all of that? Or is there more to that? Uh, there's more to that. So if you look, yeah. Melbourne's already locked up and Sydney and yeah. Melbourne are like the highest population cities in Australia. Um, obviously, Victoria, because they've been locked up, that's actually stopped a lot of people travelling. And a lot of Victorians love to go to Queensland. So obviously now because they're like, no, Queensland is not letting Victorians in. They're losing a lot of money in the tourism sector as well, which in Queensland will affect a lot of small businesses because Queensland thrives off tourism. And then Sydney, like, they also travel as well. So it's not going to just affect people's lives. It's going to affect every other state's economy as well and also mental health side of things as well because people – don't know how to handle spending so much time with either the same people or spending time alone, it's going to have a lot of um, effects on them, which will also, you know, more money will have to be injected in order to help the people who couldn't handle being locked up for so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. Like yeah. there's a lot of things that come into it. Yeah, I really like that mental health side. I mean, just today, because um, Ira told me you want to talk about the um, – somewhat about the coronavirus and the job seeker pay. So I went on YouTube and I shouldn't have done this, but like I looked at the news and stuff and apparently like I saw in the news today that they're going to rename like coon cheese to something else. Wait, this isn't the coronavirus. This is to do with the Black Lives Matter. And, and it's almost like in my mind, have you guys heard of this? Like they're going to rename, you know, coon cheese. Yeah. They're going to yeah, like yeah. literally, literally they have to rename it to some, something else because there's like so many protesters that um think it's racist and like just in my mind it's just like wow it's like we're all locked we're all locked down in in quarantine and like because we have nothing to complain or do we just like make like really silly stuff like this coon cheese thing like it makes no sense to me yeah, exactly and Derek I completely agree with you like when I was watching all the protests like starting to happen about the Black Lives Matter in the US I was just sitting there looking at them thinking like you've got to understand that this has been going on for like hundreds of years right like yeah. racism like police being brutal to people like obviously we all know that it's wrong but I feel like it's just become such a big thing because everyone is so bored and they have nothing else yeah. to do yeah so that's trying to make a problem 
a hundred times worse because they've got nothing else to do. And as for the cheese thing, like how that that name has been around for God knows how long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an Australian like, icon. I change it now. Yeah. You it's know, crazy. like. But at, I, but at the same time, like at the same time, I feel like this COVID has been a good opportunity to get everyone to be aware of it because obviously, like there should be a point where all this stops. Like we, I just, I don't know. It makes sense why people would be so frustrated and you know, I guess running out of patience for the fact that there is this pr- police brutality still going on. You know, all this injustice towards you know, Black Lives. And all that stuff, even though, I don't know, for me, even though it might seem like, oh, people are bored and, like, they have nothing else to worry about, I feel like if you're going to worry about something, at least this is a really good thing to worry about and, you know, shine a light to and make a lot of noise about, I feel. Yeah, yeah definitely. I agree with you on that opinion, actually. But, like, honestly, my opinion of, like, COVID, it's all happened because... The world needs to stop. People are just constantly like chasing their tail. And obviously the only way to do it is just take a break, you know, and that's why a lot of stuff will be reoccurring now because the lockdown, like everyone's at home, they can't do anything. They can't go anywhere. And you're actually going to focus on a lot more other problems that are going on in the world rather than daily life. Yeah, exactly. So it's sort of like a divine intervention for us to kind of realise a lot of things that actually are important. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be a massive learning curve for everyone. Yeah, I agree. I, I remember Ian and I, we did a podcast with one of my mates talking about the coronavirus. Just just when it like almost happened, like everything was normal. But then just when the Australian government started to realise this might be serious. And now we're sitting here like six months later. It's been six months, maybe five months later. And it's just like, wow. And, and we thought it was going to, you know, be back to normal with all, all the lockdown eases. But then it just, it seems like there's going to be like a wave too. And it's just like, it's like, it's crazy. And like, and sometimes you forget the world that we lived in before. Like before it was just, I don't even know what that, that was like to go out and like do whatever you want. Now it's just like, this is like a normal life for me. And then imagine like when this whole thing is over, whenever it's over, it's like, you're probably not going to be used to that. And then you have to take, take some time to adjust. So it, it's all bizarre to me in a way. Yeah, exactly. And like, um. It's just history repeating itself. And like I was saying to a couple of my other friends, like you've got to remember, like when the Spanish flu happened, the first wave was not as bad. The second wave is the highest peak. And then the third wave, it kind of dies off. And then it will like, you know, and then it won't be gone, but it won't be as bad anymore. But also COVID, because it's such a strong virus, the world will never be the same again in the way that we used to do things like travel, going to nightclubs, going to restaurants. Like, you're never going to experience that normality again because this will be the new normal. You reckon? Are you saying, like, the new normal for, like, years to come or do you, do you think, like, the new normal forever? Um, Probably for years to come, but it also yeah. just depends on how long it takes for people to learn and understand the seriousness of the virus. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, even after this first wave, which seems so intense for us because it's something, like, we've never experienced before, after the first wave, it didn't seem like it clicked to people how serious this, um, you know, this sickness was because after that, after all the clubs started opening or at least bars, you had that um, cluster in Kajula that happened, which kind of shows just no one really gave two fucks about it at least or at least it just kind of went over their heads and they were just... 
I don't know, I guess keen to get back into normal life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And like, um, even for like traveling, for example, like, because obviously Byron Bay, it's a high tourist, like everyone travels to Byron Bay. And when they first allowed traveling again after the lockdown, I was like, this is a bad idea, you know? And for Victorians, because they were all like, oh, we're planning to go to the Gold Coast, because when they all live in Victoria, they always travel to Queensland in the winter for the warmer weather. And 25,000 Victorians left Victoria like two two or three days before they decided to close the border after the first cluster that happened in Victoria. And then because Queensland shut them out, they all ended up in Byron. So for everyone who lives in this area as a local, we've kind of been avoiding the town because you just don't know who's roaming around because half of them still are here and they don't want to go home. Yeah, yeah, must be chaotic, must be par- par- paranoia in a way. Yeah, exactly. And, like, when you see people on the street, no one cares because yeah. if you live in an area that's not a hot spot, they're going to think it's not going to happen to them. But at the end of the day, you need to learn to respect others. Like, compared to wave one and wave two that's about to come, what do you do you think people are more prepared? Like, for example, I noticed... Like in supermarkets, there's more toilet papers, there's more hand sanitizers. No one's panicked as much. Or do you think people are going to panic again, in your opinion, Grace? I reckon people will start panicking again soon. Oh, no way. Not again. You mean like they've got to yeah. go to the, the supermarket and just buy out all the toilet paper and hand sanitizer again, knowing that what happened to the in the first wave, like, it was kind of silly. Yeah, I reckon because people will just freak out. And honestly, when I... Like, I didn't realise everyone was, like, freaking out about toilet paper in the first um, wave of the virus. And I went into my local supermarket and I looked around and I'm like, where did all the toilet paper go? And then the night packer goes to me, oh, we're going to be out of it for four days. And I'm looking at them thinking, what the fuck is going on? And then three days later, all over the news, like, people punching other people for toilet paper. And I'm like, what a lot. It's not like you can't go to the supermarket. <laughs> yeah, legit. I remember even you, Grace, you had a bunch of toilet paper in your boot and you came up to me like you were some dealer being like, look, if you need any toilet paper, just hit me up, sort of thing. <laughs> Do you remember uh, yeah. that work? Yeah. When I got let go of my job, there was a whole box of toilet paper that I found in the storeroom and I was like, oh, I'm going to take that. <laughs> and then obviously because I don't need toilet paper, um, I was just giving it away to people who needed it. Yeah, so like, yeah. Even, like, some elderly people in my suburb that I was living in in Sydney, I was just like, oh, do you want some toilet paper here? Take two, three rolls. Because I had, like, I think, what was it, 80 rolls of toilet paper? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, people can use this. <laughs> yeah. What are you – Um. okay, so I know you're kind of, I guess – not big, but you're interested in conspiracy theories. What do you think about that conspiracy, how coronavirus is a government-made flu and it had been planted, I guess, to start in China and spread to decrease population? What do you think about that? No, I reckon there is some form of truth to that because, like, obviously government wants to control people and the only way to do that is just have less population because the more population you have the less likely you know a larger percentage of the population will choose not to listen so because I thought it was very weird 
and the fact that China actually covered up a lot of stuff that was actually going on prior to us all finding out about it. I didn't, it didn't seem right to me. And then also the fact that uh, last year in, I think, November, a lot of people were getting sick and I couldn't figure out why. And, um, you know, because November, December, that's a weird time to get sick, especially like when, you know, they look like they're dying. So I reckon there's something more to it that meets the eye. Yeah. Wait, can you explain the conspiracy theory that might potentially be what's going on? Like, what's what's it actually doing? Like, Ira, you mentioned it really briefly, but I don't know anything about it. So can you, like, say it from start to beginning? Yeah. So I reckon um, this virus was man-made by, you know, government of China to slowly wipe out people. And obviously, because a lot of people from China, they travel all over the world. So started there would be like the easiest way to spread everything and basically have you ever heard of the new world order no what's that it's basically just like a new regime where like you're under the one control so they'll control everything about you so basically like us being locked up is like you're living in a prison because you're following by their rules and if you do the wrong thing obviously there will be major consequences to what's going to happen yeah, like you get fined or you get put into prison. So, so this this man, if this was true and it was a made man made man made thing, that means they have a cure, right? I'm yes, I believe they do. Oh, okay, but they but just they hold it in just to get the power or whatever. Oh, okay. They're wanting more people to get it before they can actually release it. And, and while while they release it, were they gonna sell it for a lot of money or something? Like, what's what's the point of releasing it? Well, probably once, like you know enough people pass away from the virus they will okay we've gotten the population down a bit now we can like slowly release it and then maybe like another 50 years later another virus will come out because it will take time to perfect this like you can't just do it in one go yeah and is is this the first time they've done it like in your opinion like this is the first time they're going to trial a man-made um, virus and then they're going to spread it and then they're going to test it and they're going to do it again in 50 years time because it has been done in the past right yeah to be honest I'm pretty sure like every virus that has come up has always been man made like some things maybe not but some things yes and it's just history constantly repeating itself until that one person perfects it so wow. who this one this time after 100 years of the previous Spanish flu maybe in 100 years time there'll be something else that will be even more lethal and dangerous dangerous to the people. That's crazy. That's um that's insane. What's the ultimate objective though? Like when you control the population in your opinion, like what does it do? Like the government just has complete control, then what's what's their what's their motive? What's their besides the power? Like what they just get more money, they can do what they want. Yeah, they can just do what they want with you. And I think it's just pure evil and people who run government, they don't really care about anyone else but money in your if you were the government what would you do or like what do you think some some ways that you can improve the economy or like what what ideal life would you want to live in because like for example you know utopia how like everything's just perfect and everyone's just equal and all that stuff and maybe there's a thing called universal basic income where they just just give money to everyone and like you don't have to work like is that is that the kind of life that you envision no i believe everyone should have their right to their own thing in life but 
also, yes, you do have to help people, but I believe the government is going about it the wrong way because you're giving equal amount to everyone when they're not really looking inside who has this amount of savings, who has no savings, like the job, for example, like why give out exactly $1,500 a fortnight to every person who is employed and eligible for it when some companies will turn around and be like, okay, well, because government's giving us this much wage, we're going to cut your hours just so the government can pay your wages. And they might be earning like two and a half to $3,000 a fortnight. So then taking away their freedom because of the government. Yeah, I see what you mean. You mean like inequality in a way, like some have more, why should they get the same as like someone who has less? Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Wow. The government should have really like analysed each company's um, finances before just giving out money. So then each person is paid a specific amount and then they just cover the rest rather than giving everyone the same amount. And then like for a casual, for example, like you might work one shift a week and be in that company for two years and then what, boom, out of nowhere, you're working one shift a week and you're earning $650 a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone who busts their ass for 40 hours a week and is only probably only getting 1300 compared to where they were earning maybe like two and a half thousand a fortnight. Yeah, I know what I mean. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely an issue. Yeah. Is there any, is there anything the government does um, good in your opinion? Honestly, not really. Like I'm not a big fan of the government because I just believe it's just, you know, a controlling mechanism to control everyone on the world. Uh, in the world, sorry. But at a time like this, definitely Australian government could have done a better way of providing help. But, like, don't get me wrong, what they're doing is good and, like, obviously they can't do much more. But, like, government has good sides and bad sides. In yeah. my opinion. And enough. you can't always trust what the government says because they could say so one wh- thing but then in like five days' time, they'll say another thing and then it just contradicts what they said prior to what they've just said. Yeah. So would you say, I guess, I wouldn't say everyone in the world, but majority of people living at the moment have this, I guess, false sense of freedom um, regarding their, their life and what they can do with it, you know, if the government is trying to control what we do and all of that? Yeah, exactly. Like, um, for example, right, the fact that they've shut off international borders is just like a massive sign saying like okay you're not going to the other parts of the world because they don't know they don't want you to know what's going on and have you noticed that like even when they talk about covid they don't really talk about other countries they're only really talking about america and then australia but they've left the rest of the world out yeah yeah because they don't want you to know what's going on and unless you really look into it and not look at mainstream media you won't really know what's going on until you take a deeper look into it. If you don't look for mainstream media, what sources do you look at then? Like conspiracy theorists on YouTube or? I just go to YouTube and I just look at uh, different uh, media networks, ones that don't have a lot of views because and ones that are not constantly on television. Because like if you take Channel 9, Channel 10, Channel 7, they're all just like going after the same thing, but half of the time whatever they're going for is just a reason to get more people attracted to that news and then freak them out 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like put them in a fear state. Yeah. But what what's some examples that you can you can give in YouTube channels specifically, and what they talk about that's different from the news. In some of the YouTube channels, like the news that I watch, they specifically specifically talk about what's going on, and they don't beat around the bush. They just tell you straight up, okay, this is the issue, and other news channels aren't doing this, so I want to tell you. Um, for like example, you remember when it all started, when COVID all first started, and like all the news was saying like China only had like I think certain like certain thousands of deaths. Yeah. Then, like, you look at another news channel and then they'll be like, oh, they're lying because it's actually, like, maybe three million people who have died from COVID just in the first month. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some people, because they all believe in mainstream media and don't actually look into the research, they just believe whatever that news channel is telling them. Yeah, so where where would they get their sources from? Are they actually there on the front line, you know, um, I guess recording these statistics or where do they find that sort of information? Well, some of them actually, um, they record it themselves and then post it and then let the news channel take over. Like uh, there was this one guy in Wuhan that actually recorded himself when he was being locked, like when they were in lockdown and he was actually showing the daily life of what was going on. And then he gave it to, I think, a news channel in India if I could be wrong but yeah. then she the video of what he sent to them and then um he actually got in trouble for it because he leaked out um private information about the Wuhan lockdown yeah but so why 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 should it be private if it's something that's actually going on and something that could help people I guess make a sense of what the fuck is going on well, that's the thing. Like, that's just the way of controlling. Because whatever's going on in China, no one truly knows what's going on. Because they say one thing, but then when you look deep into it, it just keeps bringing up all their lies that they've said. And the fact that he got in trouble for uploading a video to also YouTube and the news network about what it's like to be in a Wuhan lockdown just goes to show how controlling the Chinese government really is. And they really don't have any sense of freedom. Because you should all be entitled to your freedom of speech and you should all be entitled to your own opinion. So why is it so wrong that he uploaded something for the rest of the world to see? Yeah. Would you would you maybe be able to put it down to the fact that maybe, I don't know, I guess the Chinese government doesn't want the rest of the world to have, I guess, a tarnished view on the country and what's going on? Yeah, and that could be it as well. But yeah. you really don't know because they're a communist country so with communism you'll never really know what's going on unless unless you experience it for yourself because they will hide a lot of things now this is really interesting did you have any more conspiracies or i remember you trying to tell me something when i last saw you um you got into this really deep conversation grace about something and you're really into it was it about donald trump because I fucking love Donald Trump. He's the best. You love okay. Donald Trump. Well, yeah. Well, um, anyone says you can all hate me for saying it, but I love <laughs> Donald Trump. Yeah. He's amazing. Well, like, it like yeah. it is. If you're an idiot, you're an idiot. If you're doing mm. something wrong, he'll call you out on it. He doesn't, like, he doesn't talk bullshit. He's just straight to the point. And, yeah. oh, I think I remember now. So... 
Was it about the Americans? Like, you know, when the last election was on, they were all voting for, like, Hillary Clinton, this, Hillary Yeah, you, you were speaking about something along the lines of that, yeah. And then, like, half of them ended up voting for Donald Trump anyway, and then now they're all complaining yeah. about the way Donald Trump's behaviour is. Mm. And, I, like, Americans focus too much on the outside world rather than their own government. And, like... For example, right, you know, Obama, you know how he brought in the Medicare and whatever, whatever that was, Obamacare, sorry. Yeah. That's actually a massive crock of shit. And Donald Trump caught him out on it because Obamacare is useless. You still need private health insurance in order to be able to do anything because the Obamacare didn't really cover anything. And like when it comes to things like that, because America is so focused on helping the rest of the world, when Donald Trump actually took it into his own hands and tried to help America, he actually got more hate than positivity. And he's actually trying to help the country, you know, like stop manufacturing from overseas and then like produce, you know, manufacturing and um, production in America because that will help give more jobs, right? But then America... So you can't really win with people because they'll either like you or they'll hate you and then they'll hate you and then they'll like you but there was something else that I I can't remember what it was but I found it so interesting because I remember someone else telling me about it as well and it was got to do with Donald Trump what so then what would your opinion be on the whole building the wall thing because I'm I'm probably on the spectrum where I'm not really a fan of Donald Trump no disrespect to you but that's just my standpoint um yeah what what did you think about all that to be honest, I don't really know much about the wall thing, so I can't really make an opinion on that. But I haven't really had the time to look into it yet. Did you hear about um, Kanye wanting to run for president? Did you see all the video clips of him? I haven't seen the video clips, and the only yeah. reason for that is I honestly do not like Kanye West. Yeah. So if I don't like someone, I don't really care about what they're doing and how they're doing it yeah yeah Derek have you seen the video um I think so I think I saw it like he's giving a speech or something right yeah but he's people, giving a speech people yeah. think he has um bipolar or something right like yeah I read the I, comments and, like, he's going yeah. through an episode or something mm, he's going through one of his manic phases yeah it, it kind of upset me watching that not gonna lie because you could see he's just not all there at the moment yeah yeah so what does he have he has bipolar disorder and what's that again is that where he has uh, two personality? Um, no, I don't think it's two personalities necessarily, but I think it's when um, oh geez, I'm not a uh, psychologist, oh. but I believe it's when you go through really intense um, I don't know episodes of emotions, whether that's sadness, um, anger, or uh, really good happy happy phases. Like yeah. it can be whatever. You just fluctuate really really intensely yeah and you can't control it like you just you're just there like say if he's very yeah. angry and he's giving a speech and he's just he's all his anger's being like poured out of his mouth and he can't really control it and that's what you mean yeah. when he has episodes oh okay that's yeah episodes oh but it's not like how they have made it out in um like the stereotypical where you you could just be sitting there and all of a sudden you're angry but it's more so just like uh like i don't know you know when you have your bad weeks and then you have really good ones just that yeah. accelerated by, I don't know, t- 10 times. 
I guess. Yeah. But don't quote me on that. I'm not too educated on that either. But that's what I know. Yeah. 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 Must be hard doing that. But yeah. I think that, that, that would that'll probably help him with his creative work, probably. Like, if he gets really happy, really inspired, then he'll be even more inspired and then he'll write the song. Yeah. But then it's but kind I of... Mean, yeah, the thing is he's not taking his medication as he should be. And he's not, um, I don't know, getting the proper treatment as he should be as well. He's refusing that, apparently. I mean, it's not none of my business, but... No, I also find with people who have bipolar, they can either be, like, you know, very eager to start and finish something within a short time span, or they'll be eager to start something, but it can also take months to finish because they their brain is altered. So, like, sometimes they'll think, okay, we'll start doing this, and then their mind might get occupied by something else, and then they'll leave that project behind. But then they'll get angry about not finishing that previous project that they started. Yeah, that makes sense. That, yeah. that must be frustrating, yeah. They're, like, they're very ambitious to do it, and then once they do it, they, like, they get OCD or ADHD, they get distracted, and then, then they get angry at themselves for not finishing it in the first place. Yeah, yeah exactly. that makes sense. That must so be so frustrating. they people sometimes. Yeah. Grace, was there anything else you maybe wanted to talk about or anything we didn't touch on today that we might want to put in this juicy podcast? Any questions for us? What else can you guys guys talk about on your podcast? Literally anything. (laughs) Anything at all. Yeah, usually we just, um, we have a guest and usually the guest is um, friends, friend related, so we know the person. And then usually that one person has one topic that they want to talk about mainly. Like, for example, uh, two weeks before we had my friend who was a film student. So we mainly talked about film, but we want to make the podcast diverse. We keep saying this every time, but like the podcast, we don't want it to be like an interview per se. Like we want it to be like a casual discussion, but we're still working our way around it. Like this this podcast, for example, I felt like it was a, it was a lot of like interview, like just keeping asking you questions, which um I think we can't help it at this stage era. Yeah, but it was, but I think that's how we work best, to be honest. Not gonna lie, Derek. Yeah. What yeah, I realized is just because we're really curious people, and obviously it's great to add on to the conversation. But if we don't really know about what they're talking about, yeah, it's more interesting to learn and listen because yeah. we're not gonna add add our opinion and when we don't know what the hell is going on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I had yeah. no idea about this whole coronavirus conspiracy thing, and like, to be honest, I didn't know what you were really talking about. Like, but it was really interesting what you said, and that's just one way you can look at it. Yeah. Because I don't read into it that much, but so it's interesting, yeah. Yeah. So what? So Grace, you're studying as well at the same time at the moment. Yeah, I'm currently back at uni, so that's keeping me occupied. But um, I've also been we own a coaster bus that we used to live in before we bought our caravans, and um, because we live so close to the ocean, and if you don't wash it enough or you know, you don't take care of the material, it rusts away. So yeah. we've been fixing that. We've just had a little bit of spare cash, so we've decided to, like, you know, do it up. So, obviously, the roof doesn't cave in while it's... <laughs> yeah. That's the what is it? Bad. Like, if we drove it down the highway, the window would have fallen off. Yeah. Well, I was going <laughs> to ask you, I was going to ask you, Grace, what is it like living in a caravan or living in a mobile home that's that's the proper word like you've you've rarely lived in a actual physical space right i'm I'm just trying to get to know your situation yeah so i honestly love living in a caravan because it's just easy to pack and you're not really 
for a long period of time. And it's just easier for your financial security, if that makes sense. Because, like, obviously, yeah, yeah. Like, we wouldn't be able to afford to, you know, rent a place, well, especially in Byron Bay anyway, because Byron Bay is, is as expensive as Sydney. But um, it's just easier way of living. After you've lost, lost everything, you just realise that material things don't mean as much as what they do and like what other people think materials to materialistic items mean so it just gives you a sense of like you know comfort to know that you know I might not have much but at least I will still always have a roof of my head and no one can actually forcefully kick me out if I am late on any payment yeah that freedom yeah you sound like you're so free at the moment even though we're in such a weird confusing time (laughs) like you don't have any obligations or anything like that financially this covid like i'm like as bad as it sounds i've honestly enjoyed it like it's given me the time to like just give myself a break from like constant full-time work full-time uni running around like you know not even being able to afford to live because whatever i was earning was not enough i'm a crazy person and i can't live with people so that's what made me get into a lot of debt because i was paying rent that i couldn't really afford in reality but um it's just been nice to, like, you know, not have a care in the world. Yeah, for sure. So, like, after, I don't know, how much longer are you planning to, you know, live this live this little lifestyle of yours? Um, I'm kind of getting a bit bored now because, uh, you know me, I don't like doing the same thing all the time. Yeah, yeah. I am planning to come back to Sydney, but probably not until March next year because I just want to oh, wait okay, and yeah. see what happens. and by coming to Sydney do you mean in a sense where you come visit and sightsee or whatever or like actually getting yourself into full-time again and or at least part-time getting yourself into a job yeah moving back so I would want to find a house and you know get a job and then start in the city life again because I am actually (laughs) wow well is there anything you would do different this time because I know yeah, like you said, you had been wanting to just take a break and live that simple lifestyle for the longest time while you're in Sydney, but now you're planning to come back. Like, would you do anything different to stop yourself from, I guess, being fed up and exhausted and tired with the whole um, city slicker lifestyle? Yeah, honestly, like, just I have learned that I need to calm down because <laughs> I'm a very fast-paced person. So yeah. it's kind of hard for me. I could take on a million things at once and then not even realise what I'm doing to myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this COVID has just made me realise, okay, like, you know, I don't have to do a million things at once. You know, you can do one by one and just relax and just enjoy. <laughs> I always enjoy my life no matter what happens or whatever comes my way. But taking on too much at once is not good for anyone. Yeah, definitely not. So you would be, you would yeah. allow yourself to just kind of wind down and you know chill with friends and not worry too much about all that all that work. Hey. Yeah, exactly. So the only reason I was really focused on work was because, like, you know, I couldn't afford to be jobless at any form and yeah. any time while living in Sydney because I was just in so much debt. It was not even funny, and. Yeah. <laughs> So, obviously, like, you know, I had to I, – I, that's all I really focused on because, you know, that is one place where you don't want to end up homeless and that is definitely Sydney because that yeah, place no. rip you to shreds. 
Like, yeah. at least in, like, you know, Byron Bay, like, if you're homeless, it doesn't matter because, like, you know, most locals who live here are all poor. Like, it's what makes this place rich is all the rich people that move from, like, either Victoria or Sydney and then move here and then they buy, like, $2 million homes. But if you really talk to the locals and get to know the locals, half of them have, like, lived in tents their whole life as well. So I guess in Sydney you can't really do that because everyone's so judgmental down there. Like, I don't care what anyone thinks, but, but when you like live that. in a place it's like that, it's like very hard. So you would definitely move to Sydney, like not nothing out west or maybe like Campbelltown area where it's not as crazy? Oh, my God. I'd rather die than move to Campbelltown. <laughs> <laughs> I could not. Oh, my no. God. I'd be in Wollongong and just like the thought of like even like moving back to that place, oh, just yeah. shoot me out. <laughs> What what was wrong with Wollongong? Because I've never been to Byron Bay. I just assumed because, you know, Wollongong, it's kind of like a beach area. You know, it's relatively similar. Have you guys been to Wollongong? Yeah. I've never been to Wollongong, no. So, you know, I don't know. Did you catch a train or did you drive? Uh, Drove. Drove. So, you know, when you hit the top of that mountain and you start going down? Yeah. Yeah, the energy will just suck you dry because it's so stuck. Like, yeah. you'll understand because, like, you know, the spiritual side of it, like, when yeah. you're in closed-off space and there's no open airways to, like, positive energy, it really makes the place depressing. Like, as, as nice and beautiful Wollongong is, just the energy is so draining that once I hit the bottom of that hill, I just want to get a bed on the side of the road and sleep. Yeah, yeah. Then, like, wow, that's intense. Hit the top of that mountain, and I'm like, you know, a new woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, Grace. So like, yeah, that's like the only really aspect. And like, I find anything south of Wollongong is like just pure depressing. Yeah. Like, I, what, if how I, so? Like, like is en- it the people or the lifestyle? Besides, like, besides the energy and all that, like, what's the lifestyle like there? The lifestyle is not too bad, and the people are actually really nice the more south Mm. you go. But I don't know. I just feel like I'm stuck because I don't really have anywhere to go. And, like, at least in Sydney, you're, like, kind of in the middle. And you can go. Yeah, you have a lot of options, yeah. But then, like, if you go more south, there's obviously less places to go. Mm. And, like, when I was living in Sydney – I can guarantee you every weekend I was in, in, like, a different suburb, a different town. I could be, like, 10 hours away and you wouldn't even know. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd just get in my car and go. And yeah, yeah. I find that if you move south, like, the things that I like to do would be limited. Yeah. So, so realistically, I would rather live in Sydney or Brisbane because, like, if you live in Queensland, my God, you can go anywhere. And there's so many nice yeah, so two questions I had for you, Grace. Um, one of them was you mentioned some sort of, like, energy. Like, I think yep. you were talking about, like, if you close the door or something, like, you can't let energy in. So, like, I'm curious to hear what your perspective is about energy and, like, the law of attraction or whatever they call it because it seems to me like you kind of believe that. And the second one is how you live in a caravan and you seem very mobile all the time and you really like the flexibility and the freedom. You mentioned how you were in a job and, like, you just had debt and debt. But ever since the coronavirus thing happened, you got more time to relax f- for yourself. You actually found it joyful. Um, I was curious, like, where do you see yourself in the long term? 
Um, the fact that if you don't have a job, then what are you going to do mostly with your time and how are you going to support that without having an income? Stuff like that. I think, I think I was really curious about that. All right. So the first thing is, um, first part of your question is, um, I grew up in a very, I wouldn't say religious, but my mum is very spiritual. Like she believes in God, believes in angels, believes like whatever happens in life will, you know, help you, you know, build yourself and then not have to return to earth, uh, in your next life. For example, like, you know, like Hinduism and reincarnation, how they believe in that. Yeah, so like is that you, what you believe in, or is that what your yeah. mum believes in? So when uh, you I die, you get reincarnated as like a pig or something. And it, it does it depend on like if how good you were in in a sense. And then say if you're really good, then you get returned as like a human maybe. And if you're like kind of bad, you get returned as a pig. And if you're really bad, you get returned as like a cockroach or something. Is that is that how it works? Uh, well, I think Hindus believe like that. But my perspective on reincarnation is it doesn't matter what you do in life. It just all depends on whether you choose to turn to God and start learning and living the life of whatever God follows you to. So, for example, um, like whatever's happened in my life, it's all happened for a reason and to help me grow and help me to become more spiritual and like rely on the universe and God in order to help me through all the tough times rather than, you know, believing like, you know, I messed up, like I'm going to go to hell like because obviously in like catholic and christianity everyone believes in like heaven and hell yeah but i believe there is no hell you just get reincarnated and reincarnated until you learn your lesson so it could take you 50 years it could take you two years it could take you one year that's interesting and what's the lesson again you just have to learn forgiveness so forgiveness is like the biggest thing that you can learn and the only way to do that is no matter what's happened to you no matter what your history is like just learn to forgive it and move on yeah like for example um i'll give you an example my ex-boyfriend he was very abusive so i was in a domestic violence relationship and when we broke up there was no hatred towards him no nothing all i can do is just forgive him and hopefully you know hopefully one day he realizes what he's done wrong and i just wish him a happy life that's all I care about so no matter what anyone's ever done to me like it could be the worst thing that anyone like domestic violence domestic violence for example like a lot of people are like oh how could you forgive someone like that if you don't forgive you won't learn lessons and when you don't forgive it's harder to come back from the things that have hurt you yeah that's awesome and to everything yeah, and it builds a lot of resilience. So, w- did you always um were you always like this? Like, was it because your parents raised you like this, or did you recently have that realization of this forgiveness of the reincarnation thing? And and what makes you so sure about this whole thing? Um, I'm to be honest, like I've only grown up around like you know the spiritual side of everything, so I truly and a hundred percent believe in it. And also the fact that, like, you know, after everything that I've gone through, the fact that, you know, I still have a roof over my head, like, you know, I can still put food on the table just truly shows that, you know, forgiving people and what they've done to you and believing in God, the things will come to you without you having to try. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see that. I see that thought process. That's that's interesting. Hmm. So, like, um. Oh, I've got so many stories I could go on for hours and you'll all be sitting there thinking, what the fuck? 
But, um, yeah, give us one story. Give us like one main story. One main story. Where do I start? Or just whatever's on top of your head. Oh, whatever first comes to mind. Well, yeah. about for maybe, when was it? I think it would have been in 2013, 2014, yeah, 2014, 2013. Um, my dad, he was running, uh, he was a team leader of a council and there was a tornado that happened and because he ran the water and treatment plants, um, when the tornado happened, it wiped out a lot of uh, water and sewerage pipes and you needed a lot of chemicals in order to fix the problem. So he, um, the council bought millions of dollars worth of chemicals and because they bought so much staff, they, that company, they sent presents to the people who worked in the council. And um, what happened was is, in the government, you're not allowed to take presents because it's counted as bribery. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it's ICAC, in- Independent Commission Against Corruption. I haven't heard of it, but yeah, uh, go on. They investigate in um, issues that are going on in the corruption side of the government. So they decided to look into this problem. Well, it wasn't really a problem, but they decided to investigate the reasoning to why they were receiving presents. And... My dad quit the council and then a couple of years later we got a letter saying you have to appear in court because of the ICAC is investigating this situation. And because he quit his job, we didn't have any money to provide, you know, legal services for my dad. He was independently um, in the court case on his own. And when he went to the court hearing, he answered um, a question wrong. He's I can't remember if it's he should have said yes instead of no or should have said no instead of yes. I can't really remember. But um, instead of actually the court um, getting him for bribery, they got him for misleading evidence and he actually ended up in jail for nine months. But his original sentence was 18 months. But when he went into jail, uh, the judge just sent him a letter saying, oh, um, you know, 18 months seems a bit unfair, we'll give you nine months. And during that time, like for the first month and a bit, we didn't know where my dad was. Like I was going to the court cases with him because they were held in Sydney, but um, we honestly, like when he got taken, like we didn't know why, where he ended up, what he was doing. Because when you go to jail, you can't contact anyone until they give you a PIN number. And I think it's like a six or seven digit code. And so once he got that number, he calls us and he goes, oh, I'm in Silverwater, you know, I'm, this is my PIN number. The only way you can send me money and do whatever is like, you know, by depositing it into this name and then using this number. And obviously my mom and my brother, they were distraught. But by believing in God and like forgiving whatever happened in the past, like when my dad came out, it was like he never even went to jail, you know, so because it was part of his life to learn something. But still to this day, I don't, like, he doesn't really talk about it, but he has learned something and he's learned to forgiven things that have happened to him and not hold on to grudges. Because grudges can really mess your life up. Like, That's very interesting. So the way I, the way I see is like everything in life, you put here just to, just to go through lessons. And then the lesson is forgiveness. And 
each scenario that you put in, each each thing that happens happens for a reason, and the reason is to test you whether you can whether you can forgive or not. Yeah, exactly. So the universe will always throw tests at you, and it's just the whether you take it in the right way or not. And if you take it in the wrong way, the universe will throw you another test and another one and another one and then another one until you actually fully understand that you have to believe in God and learn forgiveness. And then from then on, your path will be a lot, I wouldn't say easier, but a lot easier because then you finally learned those lessons. Yeah. And that's, that's a work in progress, right? Like no one's that's a work in progress. So oh, okay. it takes time. And it's a long process. Like, it doesn't just happen overnight. Like, as you can see, like, it's taken us, like, uh, 15 years to get to where we are now by learning. There's obviously still more to come, but it's just a matter of when that will happen. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So you you can say you're, you are a very spiritual person and you think about this a lot. And in a way, that's your purpose. Like every everything that you do, every action that you do, every job that you take, you'd always take this into consideration. Yes. Exactly. Oh, okay. That's very interesting. Oh, okay. So yeah, okay. So you have a lot of moral compass in a way. Yes. Oh, okay. That's that's really interesting. That's cool. And then onto the second question, the bit about you being really free, you living in a caravan, you you just driving everywhere. Where do you see yourself in like 25 years, or like what do you see yourself when you grow up? Like what's your, what's your ideal life outcome? Like, um, I couldn't really tell you because, like, you know, my life can, like, if I decide to take a left, I could end up going right instead because yeah, me yeah. do not work. Like, even when I moved to Sydney, like, I didn't even plan on staying there for as long as I did. But, you know, I went there to finish high school and then eight years later I was still there and I knew that it was time for a change and then I didn't plan it. It just happened. But um, to see myself, God. Yeah. Well, you don't think about it. it. It seems like you just live almost like in the moment, day to day. You don't really plan yeah, something like take... 10 years ahead. Yeah. You yeah. take it a step at a time, pretty much. Okay, that's interesting. And you just trust that. Like, you just trust that in 50 years' time, you're going to be in a good place or what you think is a good place. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, that's like, really nice. Honest, like, I'm in a really good place. Like, I've always been in a good place, no matter what's happened in my life. But, yeah. um, yeah, we'll just see where life takes me and, yeah, just enjoy it, take day by day and... Yeah, that's awesome. going to happen tomorrow, so... Yeah, because I know a lot of people that get stressed out, me, 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 myself included, where you just think too much about the future, just like where am I going to be or how much money I have to make or I have to, I have to be here, I have to, make, I, have to like, I have to be married or like I have to get a house and all that stuff, but you're just like, oh, take it day by day and then you're more, you're more present in the moment. It's interesting because you know a lot of people are stressed out about this, especially kids. Like the, the fact that you mentioned that when you stop working and you can finally breathe, I feel like for me and for like a lot of people in my generation, I'm not speaking for all of them, is like just just as a kid, you know, you have to go to school, get grades. And then after that, you have to work, work, work. And I think we interviewed one of my friend named In Young. I don't know if you remember yeah. Ira. And then she mentioned also that like when you stop working or when you take a break, it feels like you're going to die. It feels like you're choking. It doesn't feel correct because you've been working so long that you can't even take a break. And it feels like you're doing something wrong and you're going to die in a way. It literally feels like that sometimes. Yeah, so exactly. Cool. And I completely understand that feeling because when I first lost my job, like, because I was so used to that fast-paced environment, it actually took me a month to adjust. Wow, just a month. That's it. Yeah, because a job is like a, a compass. It's like, it has everything in a way. Like, it provides you something to do with your time. It gives you income. And ideally, it 
you, you're doing it to build a skill, and then once you have once that's gone, it affects everything: your relationship, your 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 mental health, your physical health, and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's interesting how you're also the similar age to us. So it's like, wow, I'm, I'm very I'm very interested. <laughs> yeah, like for me, like don't I, I would like if someone offered me a job tomorrow, like yeah, I would take it because I do miss working. Like it gives me something to do and it keeps my mind occupied. Because I like being, I'm a busy, like, I like keeping myself busy. And, yeah. like, when it comes to work, like, like even if I had to scrub a toilet for, like, 10 bucks an hour, like, I would do it, you know. Because wow. it's just something to do and it's just a new experience in life. And you can't always live a sheltered life because I feel like that's where a lot of things go wrong. And once you have too much shelter, when something actually really hits you hard, that's when you don't really know how to handle it. And that's why I'm very thankful for the family that I have because they've actually taught me so much from a young age. I can honestly say, like, you know, at the age of 23, like, okay, whatever hits me next, like, I'm prepared for it. Like, it could be absolutely anything. And, you know, I'd find my way to get through it. That's awesome. That's awesome mindset. Just like this coronavirus. It's pretty big. And then you're just like, yeah, I'm enjoying this. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. Like, and I know other people are stressing out, but my God, like you've all got to relax. Cause like a lot yeah. of people that I know, they're going through very hard times. Like I know one of my friends recently has had a baby and like a lot of people have lost their jobs as well. Like some of my friends and they're all messaging me like, I'm freaking out. I'm free. I'm like, you've got to relax. The more you stress, the less likely you're actually to progress further because you're dwelling on something that you can't fix. Yeah. So what sort of practical advice would you kind of give them, you know, besides, I guess, telling them just to relax, like how would you recommend they, you know, get a good head on their shoulders about everything? I would say just um, like if you're a planner, plan and if you're a spender, try and limit it limit your spendings so like you know you do have enough money for other things that are more important than buying something that you don't really need and one of the biggest things is I would say be positive about what's going on because whatever downfall you take in life only positive can come for the outcome yeah and that's one of the biggest things and that's what actually affects a lot of people because when something happens to them very like real bad they don't think positive positively about it so that will take them down a deep dark hole which will take them longer to get out of yeah yeah and I feel like the the important thing as well like obviously see it as positive but it's good to I guess embrace the negative at the same time like acknowledge it and see it for what it is without actually trying to be oblivious and be like okay this is bad but I'm good like don't worry my legs come off but it's all good you know like you got to approach it in, yeah, in a way where you're not ignoring all the bad stuff at the same time, exactly. trying to get to the positive, yeah. Exactly. And if you're going through a hard time in life, just block out all the negative people that are in your life, the ones that give you negative negative energy, the ones that don't really care about how you're feeling or what you're experiencing, the ones who don't really want to listen to your problems. Try to block mm. them out. Because that will help you. That will help you know create positivity. Because when you're around negative people, you're more likely to end up in a dark hole. Facts, one hundred. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. 
That's cool. That, that's the two questions. I think you answered it really well. It's very interesting, your perspective. I take everything with a grain of salt, but like what you said was really, really cool, really eye-opening. Yeah. Good perspective. Interesting perspective. A refreshing perspective. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Grace. Still yeah, got it. I still got it. <laughs> no. Nah. But, <laughs> like, um, I don't know. You know yeah, me, I don't, I, don't know. Say anything. I don't even think before I speak sometimes. And, like, sometimes the things that I say to people and I don't realise it until after they've, like, been like, oh, you've actually hurt my feelings. And I'm like, oh, shit, sorry. But, I yeah, mean, but everything. You, you never, exactly. Like, you're not the type of person to say something, I don't know, against snarky, you know, just yeah. to try and get under people's skin. Like, you have that mindset where if you, in your opinion, see that, another person could be doing something in a different way to make their life a little better. Like you're the type of person to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even conversations that I've had with you, you know, when I've needed to vent, it's, you've always given me really good eye opening advice, which you kind of did, you know, answering Derek's questions. Like, yeah, very eye opening. Yeah. Yeah. I can only do what I can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're a healer. Yes, I am. Spiritual healer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I can only wish that everyone can, you know, not see the negative in life and just, you know, think of it all positively. Mm. When you think of everything in a positive way, my God, your life will change. Yeah. Just is it as well just not having that many attachments, I guess, emotionally and physically? Because what, what I found helps as well when I, um you know, I was going through some things, I didn't realise, but throwing out half my shit actually really helped. It was really therapeutic. And I'm not sure if it's because I didn't have as much stuff or it was just kind of like a, I don't know, training my attachment to things I don't need, you know, like being a hoarder. I was like slightly a little bit of a hoarder, but then realising, look, I don't actually really need it. Like that emotional attachment is worthless, worthless and kind of threw majority of it out. It actually really helped. Yeah, exactly. And I could actually say that, when you start throwing things out that like, you know, if you have a lot of stuff in your house and you actually take the time to go through it, when you throw that stuff out, you're actually releasing um, your like releasing your past and throwing away your attachment. Like, Oh yeah, I don't need this photo anymore. Throw it in the bin. And you're actually moving forward to something more better. And mm. the less stuff you have, it, it, it is easier to learn, you know, not to be attached to things. Yeah. Like, for me, like, I'm not attached to, like, look, I have a boyfriend, I love him, but if he was to turn around to me tomorrow and be like, Grace, I don't want to be with you anymore, I'd be like, fine by me, see you later, have a nice life. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, I'm still paying my car off, for example, and if, like, I was to run out of money and, you know, the finance people call me and say, like, oh, because you haven't paid your car, we're taking it off you you know what, take it, like, because, you know, somewhere in the future, something will be given back to me, and you just got to learn not to hold on to things. That's very interesting. One more question. Yeah. Do you, do you use social media, and what are your, what's, what's your views? Because you mentioned that holding on thing, and, like, in a way, social media, you mentioned, like, if you have a photo, you should just throw it away, but in, in the internet world, social media, it lives forever, so what are your opinions on that? My, like, I do use social media, but I legit don't post anything. And even if I do, it's because 
someone else has told me to post it. Like, for example, when I went to Croatia with my mum, I think nearly two years ago now, we just posted photos on Facebook because we couldn't be bothered sending it to every person that we know. It's just like, okay, post it up on the wall and you can all see it because I'm not dealing with, like, you individually. And then yeah. if you look at my Instagram account, which, Ira, I think you know, I do not have one post on there, not even one photo. And yeah. um, <laughs> I know that, you know, you everything no. lives in the internet for years and years, but... um. It's a good and a bad thing because, like, some people, they're still attached to things like that. And then for other people, I would say that if you're not really into social media and you don't care about attachment, don't post shit because then somewhere in your future it will pop up. But if you're the type of person to, like, you know, post photos or whatever, go for it because when you post something on the internet, I know that it stays there for a long time, but you're not really actually holding on to anything because you don't have it physically with you. Yeah. Because it's like kind of like in the midair, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah. yeah, it's not physically tangible. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. That's cool. That's good perspective. Hmm. And wait, are all your friends in your friend circle similar to you? Like similar spiritual views? Uh, similar minimalistic stuff, less attachment, et cetera, et cetera? Um, to be honest, no. I'd probably say, like, I think Ira is the most spiritual person that I know. And like I said to Ira in the past, like, everyone that I meet is for a reason. And, you know, like, for me, I, like, I know a lot of people and I have a lot of friends, but there would be a time where I'd be like, okay, you know, I can't help you anymore. So I'm not going to talk to you. And I've actually cut a lot of people out of my life. And especially during COVID, there's legit only maybe two people that I talk to because it's come to a point where like, I can't help anyone anymore. You know, you've got to do it yourself. And I've given you the option to listen to my advice. And if you choose not to take it, like I'm not being like, you know, a bitch or anything, but, People come and go, and until you find the right people, that's when they'll stick with you for life. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very hard to find like-minded people, like as you're, like as me, finding it in someone else. And you know, when the time will come, I will find that like-minded person. And you know, we could be friends for two hours, or we could be friends for twenty years. You just don't know. Yeah, and yeah. you're okay with that? Yeah, that's a yeah, that's the point of that. Yeah, because like, like, I don't care about attachment. So like. For example, like if I stop talking to Ira tomorrow, it's nothing against her. It's just my life has diverted me into another path. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like we're very, uh, I guess, our friendship it's very low maintenance as well. Like I can probably go months without talking to you, but then we can always come back like we are today during this podcast, and you know, talking is normal. So yeah, that's where. I can see your attachment doesn't lie, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Yeah. That is the best friendship that you could ever have. You don't mm. have to talk to someone every single day of your life in order to prove your friendship to someone. Like, yeah. um, I have a good friend from high school, and we've known each other for eight eight years now. Mm. Me and her maybe talk once every six months. But yeah. when we talk, it's like we've spoken to each other every day, and I would say that's the best form of friendship. Like, not because you don't always need people around you. Yeah. And 
think yeah. that's what people find very hard because they're very used to like especially with like social media and stuff now where like you can constantly talk to someone all hours of the day all hours of the night but then when that person doesn't respond they get upset because they're not used to having people not around them and I think that's the thing that everyone has to learn people come and go and there's nothing you can do yeah and I, I believe also with the, you know, the ease of technology, there's kind of like this sense of entitlement that comes over people where, okay, a phone, you can text anyone. It takes two te- seconds to create a text and, you know, get back to them or start a conversation. But look, if I'm, I'm tired, I don't necessarily have to be busy to not text back. You know what I mean? Like it's just because I have a phone here and it's so convenient for me to get back to you. It's nothing ever personal. It's just, I don't, either I'm not in the headspace or I'm doing my own thing or, you know, I just, I blatantly do not have to text you back and it's never anything against them. It's just, you know, you're, you're in your own little bubble and you know, that entitlement it's, I don't know. I feel like that can ruin friendships. A lot of them, especially if you don't have that mindset where that mature mindset, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And like, just because, like, you know, you message me about something important and I don't reply straight away doesn't mean, you know, I don't care because obviously I care about everyone that I come, that I cross paths with. doesn't matter yeah. who you are. And, like, you know, you just respond when you're ready. Yeah. You can't always be, you know, at the, what's the, what's the saying? You can't always, um just keep helping other people because the only way you can help other people is if you help yourself first yeah yeah exactly yeah awesome. Derek what what's your opinion on all that on all of that yeah um when you mentioned that texting it's just like because of the internet it's almost like everyone's just open 24 7 the, the way mm-hmm. I picture in my head I'm very like abstract thinker I think is like it used to be like businesses you open at 7 a.m it closes at 5 p.m but nowadays because all businesses have like Instagram pages it's just a metaphor that like you can just message the business anytime you want but like they have their own life they have to do their own thing it just seems like you can do it but you got to respect their boundary as well yeah exactly it's, it's nothing personal yeah some people do get butt, butt hurt about that i'm pretty sure some people just overthink it i used to overthink it like when you message someone and they just don't reply and they last seen 10 minutes you're just like what the hell's going on here but like i don't do that anymore like, i don't really care well yeah i think think we can conclude this episode now was there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners or anything you'd like to plug like your instagram or anything that you might be working on um well i'm not really working on anything at the moment that's true yeah myself but um all i can say to everyone out there and to all you listeners just relax don't stress and everything will come your way when it's meant when the time is right just Believe that there is something better and it will fall into your lap when it's meant to be because everything takes time. Yeah, that's beautiful. I really like that, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Thanks, Grace, for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was interesting. I was a bit nervous at the start. (laughs) No, you did good. But, um, yeah. All right. Awesome. Okay. Thanks for listening to another episode of Relator Board. Catch you next time. Bye, Derek. You want to say bye? Yeah. See you guys.
See you next episode. Bye. 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 Bye.